So we have a couple more weeks on a series we're doing on uh, your kingdom come, which is one of the prayers that Jesus taught us in his, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And uh, um, so this today, the theme is healing, one of the goods of the kingdom of God, of God's loving rule, um, which uh, he brings to us. I don't have a ministry gift of healing, so I'm just bringing thoughts and uh, experiences for you this morning. So I've been a Christian 47 years, so I think I've prayed for hundreds of people over those years to be healed, and a few of them have been healed. For example, Rob Laszlo, who worked at our local hospital where we lived previously, he worked in the pathology lab doing blood testing, and one day he was looking down at a sample of blood in a microscope, something he'd done thousands of times before. But that day, when he looked at it, he just thought, this is amazing, there must be a God. And that started him on a journey, and he came to faith in Christ. And then, some while later, playing football, um, he injured his leg quite badly. He went to hospital, and uh, he was signed off work. And, uh, and I kept a record at the time of what happened. So on Sunday, the 27th of September, 2009, this is what I wrote in a, a, a contemporaneous record. Damaged cartilage or ligaments due to injury at football practice on Monday, 21st of September. He'd been off work in pain all week and told he may never play football again. He raised his hand for prayer at the evening service. I prayed for him. It got far more painful. I chatted and walked away. Five minutes later, it was completely healed. Hey, the, the sort of thing, now you, if we asked, went round this morning, we'd have dozens of stories, I think, like, like that. So um, why do Christians pray for healing? Well, that's because our master tells us to. This is my text this morning from Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom, the rule of God, and to heal those who were ill. Now, I don't think there's any way to understand that other than what we are sent to do this. So we're given a double kind of mission here. Uh, we're to announce God's coming rule. We're to heal the sick. And the two are related. Healing is a sign of God's coming rule. Now, let's imagine that we are preparing for our annual performance review with Jesus. You do realize that he does look at you. You're, you're received by grace. You can't ever lose his love for you, but he still has an interest in how you live. And uh, now a good review progress, process, I think you'll agree, will involve support and challenge, yeah? So this morning isn't about support, it's about challenge. And um, the challenge, Jesus is asking us in a sense, look back over the last year, if you're a believer, you follow Jesus, you've been called to heal those who are ill, how are you doing? Here's a scale of one to five. You know how review processes often give you a scale, um, right? One, healing those who are ill, didn't know about that. <clears throat> so that would give you a one. Number two, know about healing, but not started. Number three, prayed for healing of someone once in last year. Four, prayed for healing of someone about once a month. Five, healing, this is my thing, Jesus. Right? Because for some of you, that might be really your thing. Please, God, it would be that God would give us people with a ministry gift of healing in our church. So where, where would you put yourself on that? Where would you like to be in one year's time? Consider it. 
Now, about the same time Rob's leg was healed, a mother called Jenny brought her young teenage daughter, Honey, along. Honey was sad because several of her friends were keeping away from her and teasing her because she developed warts on her hands. It was really visible. And uh, I prayed with them. Nothing happened straight away. But within a few weeks, uh, Jenny was leading worship in church, and she said, Honey's warts had all gone. Now, again, I just want to receive that as something God did. I know warts go in their own time, but I mean, I've got one on my finger, and it's been there for ages and ages, and they seem to last years on me. I don't know how it goes with you. But, you know, it's just good to pray for all kinds of things, isn't it? So my aim's today to remind us we're sent to heal those who are ill, to identify and remove some obstacles why we don't do it, and to give a method to use in case you don't already have one. So we're sent to heal, but we know, first of all, that healing is not the most important gift. Just want to say this at least as we get going. In the Bible, God promises that he will make a new heavens and a new earth where there'll be no disease or sickness, and that's, but that's not yet the part of the story we're in. We're still in the old earth. Now, sometimes God brings his future into our presence, and that's fantastic. The resurrection that we celebrated last Sunday and Emily's referred to this morning is, is an example of such a sign of God bringing his future into our present. It's like a down payment of what God will do when he remakes the whole cosmos. Healing is also a sign pointing to the future resurrection, restoration of the whole cosmos. It's also a sign of God's kindness to lead us to repentance and faith in Jesus. So I would say this, healing of, some of the people, healing of some people some of the time is a down payment that God's rule will be experienced by everyone all of the time in the future. Yeah? And that, in that place, there will be no sickness or illness. Now, Acts 3, in Acts 3, we have a record of the apostles Peter and John healing a man. It was just a few weeks after the resurrection and Jesus ascending to his father's right hand, but they were continuing the pattern of ministry that Jesus had modeled to them. And after doing the healing, this is what Peter said uh, straight after in Acts 3 from verse 15. He he says to these Jewish people, because they'd not long crucified Jesus, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. He preaches the resurrection. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance when you crucified Christ, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. And this is how you respond to this news. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah, that's Christ Jesus, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. In other words, to make the whole cosmos new. So we see there that healing was a gift, but it was pointing to the Saviour Jesus. Healing is not the most important gift, Jesus is. To know Christ is a far greater gift than to be physically healed. So as an illustration, in the 1980s, it was a time when young adults, fit young adults, started to die of a new disease which scientists identified as HIV AIDS. 
Some of you are old enough to remember this. And um, the disease caused a great deal of fear. There were no, was no cure. It was a death sentence. And uh, the late Princess Diana really championed the cause of treatment centres for, for people with AIDS. And she opened a dedicated ward, the Broderip Ward, at the Middlesex Hospital in London. And famously, she shook hands with a man who had AIDS, and that was a very significant thing to do, because um, there was people who had AIDS were treated like lepers in that time. It was a really, really uh, difficult time. Anyway, at uh, late 80s, early 90s, the family of a man in his early 30s uh, contacted me and asked me to visit him. He was on that ward, dying of AIDS. He was not a Christian, but when you're ill with things, you tend to be want to welcome help from any direction you can. I visited him several times in the Middlesex Hospital and prayed for him. And I knew the science had decided that you could only catch AIDS by transmission of bodily fluids. So drug abuse or sexual activity and things like that. But I do have to admit that having held his hand and prayed with him, when I got out of the ward, I used to find the nearest to you know, cloakroom and wash my hands as thoroughly as I could. It just felt a bit scary sort of thing. But um, I prayed for him, and, um, he, but he wasn't healed, he died. Um, but, but the family thanked me because through my visits, he came to faith in Christ. And that's the best possible gift, right? That is the best possible gift. He died at peace and in faith. And I thank God for that. So how are we doing on this command, though? Because even though it's not important, as important as being knowing Jesus, healing is still something we're told to go and do. So I think there are some obstacles that trip us up, and then I want to look at a model. So some obstacles. I think that um, I'm going to throw some out here. There's probably many different ones, and you might have different ones, but here's what I've thought we would cover today. I, I have a fear of disappointing the person who is not healed. Yep. I have a fear of disappointing the person who is not healed. And in 47 years, I, I can't... The truth is, I've had very few people who were actually disappointed. I remember there was a teenage boy at Welcome Church in Woking, where I was on staff, who was profoundly deaf, and he was prayed for at a special healing meeting. He wasn't healed, and he stopped coming to church. And, and, and I, I'm sad for that. Um, it wasn't me that prayed for him, but that, I'm not trying to make that excuse. I think there was probably all kinds of other things going on in his life. But actually, across 47 years, I've hardly seen anyone react badly to the fact they were not healed. And I think you need to know that. So at my last church, where I was in, in, in leadership for 25 years, we pioneered in the area a, a healing on the streets ministry, uh, which healing on the streets, HOTS is what we used to call it. Uh, it was created, a model created by Mark Marks at the Causeway Coast Vineyard Church in Coleraine, Northern Ireland, and has spread all around the world. And we would go out on the streets, on the high street of the town, 10 a.m. to noon every other Saturday, uh, come rain or shine, and place four seats on the pavement in front of a, an old Methodist church where they had a little congregation, but they were really keen to encourage anybody in, in Christian ministry. We'd erect a large banner like this, and, uh, and we would pray for anyone who asked for prayer. And I remember going out in the pouring rain one morning, wishing I wasn't there, let alone anybody else. And, uh, and yet even so, because there was no shelter, the chairs were all rained on, 
And even so, four people sat on wet chairs that morning and wanted prayer. And I thought, this has to be God, right? Yep. Um, so uh, very few people were healed, um, uh, you know, at the moment during those prayer times. But a very large proportion of those people expressed immense thanks that we offered to pray for them and had prayed for them. They felt loved. They felt cared for. They felt heard. They felt noticed. Even though they were not healed, the courage and kindness shown by the team who offered prayer was received by them as a gift for which they were grateful. And that's what I've seen in 47 years of being a Christian. So I think this fear is misplaced. Yeah? Don't fear. You know, people don't always get healed when they go to the doctor, but they don't say, I'll never go to the doctor again. Yeah? Do do you understand? So, um, and dear friend of mine gave me this advice. Don't say people's no for them. Don't say people's no for them. Many of us consider offering prayer to someone we know or inviting them to parent talk or something, but we reason ourselves out of giving the invitation and we say the person's no for them. God wants to say to us, please don't say people's no for them. Yeah? Second obstacle, the fear of raising false hopes. Sorry, um, I've already said that one. Oh, yes, I have. I'm going backwards, aren't I? Um, <clears throat> so, the, well, anyway, re- fear of raising false hopes, I can't remember. It's my second one, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you're not asked to raise false hopes. Can I just say that? Um, you know, recently, someone in our community group, there was a new kitten in one of the households, the kitten went missing and WhatsApp went live, you know, please pray this kitten gets found. Um, and we were asked to pray. And I, I must say, as I prayed, I had a real rise of faith. I believe God is going to cause this kitten to be found. But I didn't put that on WhatsApp. Right? I didn't make it, but I really had a rise of faith. I was going to be surprised if that kitten wasn't found. The kitten was found a couple of days later. And that just meant that I could say, okay, I really did hear you, God. And it encouraged me in my own thanksgiving. Sometimes we can really feel when we're praying for someone, we really have a rise of faith that, that God's going to heal them. But, you know, we don't have to tell them that. It's, I think we just need to be careful about that because there's other things I've had a real rise of faith for and that prayer was not answered. Yeah? So we just need to be careful with what we say. So some Christian models of healing ministry are pretty arrogant and bold, make bold claims and guarantees. And personally, I don't find that at all comfortable. Uh, so I don't encourage that. So we don't prophesy, we don't guarantee that someone will have a baby, that they'll get married. We don't promise they'll get healed. And we never tell anyone to stop taking their medication or treatment. Right? That's not what Christian, you know, Christians recognize the healing work of medical science, then it's a gift from God, and we respect and love it. Uh, so we need to find out what it is we can offer people. And what's the difference between a police constable and a police community support officer? They actually have different powers. You, you, you're aware of that, I'm, I expect. And every police constable swears an oath. It's called an attestation. And then they get what's called a warrant card. And that warrant card 
proves that that person is authorized to make arrests, to deprive you of liberty and such like in the name of the state. And the warrant card is the evidence the police officer has that authority. Now, we know in the case of Sarah Everard, that authority was abused. So that's, but put that to one side. We need to know on what authority we can offer to people what God's goods are. Now, my reading of the Bible, and because I believe it's from the Bible we find out what our warrant is, is that we can promise people forgiveness, but we cannot promise people healing. That's, if you have a different theology of healing, God bless you, but this is, I'm standing at the front today, so. <laughs> uh, so, um, so God teaches us that both God's rules started in Jesus, but that we don't yet see everything under his rule. That will happen when he makes the, the new heavens and the new earth. So... I believe that people can be healed because God is bringing the, giving us a taste of the future now, but that not everybody is healed all of the time. And so we live in that tense place. You know, it's told in the Bible, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. But the trouble is no one can see it anywhere. If I turned up at the court of St. James and presented myself to King Charles and said, I'm the new ambassador for the kingdom of God. He said, well, where's that? You know, well, hopefully he knows something about it because he is the head of the Church of England. Um, <clears throat> but do, do you follow? It's, dif it's difficult, isn't it? When we, uh, so we, we have to embrace this tension, neither be triumphalist nor defeatist. So a guy called Alexander Venter says this, we cannot dictate or control healing, yet we cannot accept or surrender to sickness. We pray with confident authority and expectation of healing for everyone, yet we are humble and honest, trusting God with the results as only God can heal, and we do both at the same time. And so I want to encourage us, because I think sometimes as Christians we just get a bit discouraged about this. We have a few times when prayers aren't answered, and so we give up. Well, God still told you to go and pray for sick people. So I want to say to you, stir your faith and keep going. I think we can have a fear, thirdly, of being disappointed ourselves. Um, and, uh, but I think, I just want to say to you, do you know, we shouldn't be um, defeated by disappointment. I think we should be bigger, bolder people than that. We keep the flame burning. I mean, think about how loyal football fans are to their football team. Do you agree? I mean, people are really loyal. Their team might have been in the Premier League. It might have dropped down two or three leagues, but people stay faithful. They're going to see their team come through. They're going to go back up. They're, gonna, they're not going to be relegated again. They're going to go up. Now, you know, like many people put Church of England when they go to hospital or something like that. You know, when you have a form and they ask your religion. Well, I say Manchester United. I know it's careful, right? I know we're in Leeds. And, um, and anyone who knows me knows that to call myself a football fan is like many people in Britain who say they're Christians. It's in name only, right? And once this was a, this was a joke I was actually given, this is several years old now, strip, Manchester United strip, with my name on, right? But this is, I have never watched a whole game of football all the way through. So, I mean, <coughs> um, so I'll just throw that out of the way to Elspeth over there. Um, <laughs> But the point is, you know, all the years when Alex Ferguson was uh, manager at Manchester United, I mean, you could just knew we were going to do well. And then after he left, you know, it was a bit downhill, wasn't it? I mean, not terribly, but it was a bit downhill and disappointing. And now, is it Ven 
Tog or somebody is the manager now, is it, or something? This is how much of a fan I am. I couldn't name a single player. Listen, we may get defeated at times as Christians, but we don't slink off. We, don't, we hold on to the dream of winning the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup, and the Premier League. I mean, of seeing this kingdom come, right? <laughs> don't we? We hold on to that. And to become mature, solid, stable in faith, we need to learn to navigate disappointment without surrendering our dreams. We need to learn to navigate disappointment without surrendering our dreams in all areas of life. So, um, but the bottom line is, I don't follow Jesus to get stuff from him. I follow him for himself. He does not disappoint ever. And I trust him with the future. And then I think I can have a fear of failure, of looking stupid. Well, the best thing I learned about that was to realize, well, it's not about you. If I'm constantly self-regarding, I'm worried about how I look. But when I realize God loves these dear people walking past on the street, or the person I'm sitting next to just says they have this need, God's love for them is the most important thing, not whether you look good. Agreed? So we can forget that kind of stuff. And you know, all, I, I've listened in person to the late John Wimber, Randy Clark, these have international healing ministries, people with a real ministry of healing. People at Bethel Church in Reading, California have been there. The good people at King's Arms Church in Bedford who, again, have really gone after God's miraculous healing power. And all these people will tell you they, went, they prayed for loads of people without anybody being healed for years, maybe, and gradually saw more people being healed. There's just patience is needed in these things. I mean, Randy Clark has an amazing healing ministry. He says only about 10% of those he prays for get healed. So if you have a strike rate of 1% or 2% like me, hey, that's good. Because that means over the hundreds of people I've prayed for in 47 years, some people have been healed. Yay. Right, so when I reviewed, as I say, I was part of this Healing on the Streets ministry, um, I reviewed the reports from 2017 to 2014 to 2017, and most people didn't say they were healed. Um, but I would say something like 80%, because we prayed for maybe six to 10 people each week, every fortnight for those four years, about 80% said they had felt the most extraordinary peace while they were being prayed for. That is a wonderful gift, isn't it? Because we're talking about a busy high street. I think there's a slide I grabbed off Google. Um, uh, you know, street view. Um, there's no pedestrians here, but on a Saturday morning, there'd like be pedestrians running up and down here. Not running, obviously, you know, walking up and down. So, so people were literally sitting with cars going by, people walking by, and they would just say, it was not uncommon for people to say, can I sit here when we'd finished praying? Because they just wanted to sit and enjoy that peace. That's a gift, isn't it? Some of you are going to receive a gift just of peace today, some of you can be healed as we pray for you. That's wonderful. So, are you a Christian sent to heal those who are ill? Yes, I think you are, as uh, Luke 9, 1-2 says. So I believe what Jesus sent us to do, and I want to suggest a five-step model of, of healing prayer. Now, your values are really important as, as you do this. I think you should always show respect and kindness for someone you're praying for. Um, we must... We, 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 let, let's... Uh, and those we pray for, we want them to go away with a strong sense that they've been loved and treated with dignity. Yeah? Uh, we, we would always ask for consent before we touch somebody. 
and I suggest only we touch someone on the shoulder. We Christians do that because they did that in the New Testament, but we should only ever do that with permission, and I think probably only on the shoulder, maybe on a knee or a hand, if that's where uh, the person is, is sick. Um, we look people in the eye. Isn't that important? People need to feel attended to. We don't get weird, right? We don't argue with or scold people, yeah? We're not judgmental, it's part of what it is. This is some of the, some of the stuff, just basic Christianity is what we bring to this. But sometimes, you know, you get, I've seen healing ministry which was really, really weird and odd. And um, so this is a five step, five step framework I'm suggesting. This is something would be very similar to healing on the streets or what Vineyard teaches, John Wimber, the church movement John Wimber started. Uh, I've just, styled it slightly different. I think you talk with the person first, then you talk with God, you command the healing, talk with God again and talk with the person. You see that sequence? Hopefully I'm making it. If you have another, you don't have to be tied to this, feel relaxed about it, never let a method become something that rules you. I'll skip the next slide. Um, so talk with the person. So we look them in the eye. Um, we tell them God cares for them. I think that's how we always want to start with these things. People don't know that. A lot of people think God doesn't care for them, that he's far away. People need to be told, God loves you. And, and then we need to ask the person what they want prayer for. We don't want a medical history, because we're not doctors, yeah? Just need to know what it is that would make the difference today for them. And we listen well. Um, it's often helpful to ask people, can you rate the nuisance or the pain that you're in one to ten? And they might say, well, I'm not in any pain right now. Well, when it's bad, what is it? Rate it one to ten. And that's quite helpful. So that's the initial thing, the interview, as it were. Talk with the person. Then, then talk with God. I think we want to ask Christ to be Lord in that situation. And we want to ask the Holy Spirit's presence, yeah? It's very simple. We're involving God with it very explicitly, so it's good to do that out loud. And um, you don't necessarily do um, all these things. And then, thirdly, commands the healing. You think, whoa. Jesus often healed just by touch. And sometimes you might feel that's the way to go. But usually we use words, don't we, rather than just touch. Um, yeah, sometimes in the book of Acts you read about hankies being taken from the apostles and a hanky laid on the sick person, they got better. I mean, that, I don't want to limit what God can do, yeah? But, so touch can sometimes, sometimes I've said to someone, look, I'm going to, in a moment I'm going to lay, having got consent, in a moment I'm going to lay hands on you and I just want to trust that when I do that, God's spirit will come on you and heal you. So sometimes you can just rely on touch. But normally I think we're probably going to use words. So keep your eyes open. You need to do that because you need to see if anything's happening. Keep your prayers short, keep your prayers specific, and please don't shout. Um, <clears throat> now, you can make a prayer addressed to God and ask him to do the healing, and I notice that's what Christians very often do. But when you look at the Bible, what you see is that Jesus, the apostles, commanded the healing. And I just want to bring that to your attention because that means that's a model we can follow. So, for example, we just run through some scriptures here. Mark 1, uh, there was a, a, a person with leprosy, came to Jesus and begged him, if you're willing, make me clean. And at the end of verse 41, Jesus says, I am willing. And he just says, be clean. Do you hear that? It's a word of command. 
He doesn't say, Father, please would you make this leper clean? He says, be clean. Matthew 6, Matthew 9, 6 to 7, the next one, paralyzed man. He says to the man, get up, take your mat and go home. Do you see it's a word of command? Yeah? Uh, Matthew 12, that there was a man with a shriveled hand. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. See, it's a word of command. Do you? You getting this? Luke 7, 14. Young man, I say to you, get up. This was a dead man, the, the only son of a widow. And he speaks to the dead body. Young man, I say to you, get up. So are you seeing the pattern there? I'm suggesting you should do it like this too. So certainly the model we used on healing on the, of the, on the streets. I remember one time we had a man rushing on his way to work, rushing by, and he stopped and said, oh, I've got a really bad wrist, can you pray? They prayed, had to really, he was saying, I'm late for work, I need to rush. They prayed for him, he rushed off to work. Now later that morning, I was also on the team, um, a, a woman drove along the road and did the parallel parking Right, out, right next to where we were. There just happened to be a space, sorry. And um, she and a, a younger woman got out, grown-up woman, who was a mother and daughter, it turns out. And the story I heard, they, some of the other team members prayed with them. It was the older woman's husband that we prayed for his wrist on his way to work. He'd phoned up his, from work, he'd phoned up his wife and daughter and said, I've just been prayed for outside the Methodist church. My wrist has been healed. Get down there and get prayer. <laughs> And you think, wow, this is like the New Testament, yeah? So now you might say the examples I just showed you were all examples from Jesus. Okay, we're going to the book of Acts. Jesus has ascended to heaven. This is the first disciples. You'll see they followed the same pattern Jesus did. Acts 3, 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. See, it's a word of command. Acts 9, a little girl, a little a woman has died. And uh, Peter, turning towards the dead woman, said, Tabitha, get up. See, it's a word of command. This is the apostles. They're the people like us, the followers of Jesus. Acts 14, 8 to 10, uh, Paul looked directly at him, this man who couldn't walk, and said, stand up on your feet. See, it's a word of command. Now, I, 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 I just want to encourage you. I, I suggest we do what Jesus suggests. But if you don't feel comfortable, well, ask God to do it, Okay. Because I don't think God is some kind of stupid rule-ticking, rule hoop-jumping God who says, oh, because you didn't say it that way, I'm not going to heal. Do you hear me saying that? Did you hear that? We have a lovely, gracious, merciful God. But if he's given us an example to follow, why not follow the example? And then I think we should call for God's love and peace on a person's life. And then at the end, let's talk with the person. Have the courage to say, hey, how is it? What did that feel like? And they'll tell you, oh, I'm just feeling some amazing peace. Or if it was something where they were hurting right there, and then you say, can you try that knee or whatever? Is what's the pain now? Give me a one to ten rating. Have the courage to ask. And, um, and you know, if they're crying, you can ask, are these good or bad tears? And find out what's happening. It's all kinds of things. Uh, and, and then you want to finish with love and encouragement and maybe encourage them to go and tell other people about what's happened, what they've experienced. And just one story to finish, and then we're going to see about praying together, okay? And seeing what God will do with some of us here this morning. Are you ready? So maybe your heart's beating a bit. You're thinking, there's something I really need prayer for, but dare I ask. Friends, this is a really safe place. We're not on the high street. This is a really safe place. So um, 
we prayed for a woman. This was another wrist story for her wrist to be healed. And she was on her way to, to shop at the nearby Tesco Superstore. It's one of those really big ones, about 30 checkouts. By chance, we heard the next day, someone from our church was doing their Saturday morning shop in that Tesco. They were at the checkout. When a few checkouts down, this woman was shouting out, hey, my wrist has just been healed. You should get down to the Methodist church and get prayed for, right, in Tesco Superstore at the checkout, right? Don't we want, these are things that happen, right? We have stories like this. You will have lots of other stories. And it's good to remember the stories. So do you want to stand? Band could come up and they'll praise quietly as we seek the Holy Spirit because um, this is a moment for us to practice. Maybe you have a different model of praying for sick people. Thank you. Well, that's great. I'm pleased as punch about that. And, but we want to see if there's anybody here today because we're a church that we, we do pray for healing in this church. It happens anyway. But sometimes we don't do it so often on a Sunday. And um, we've had the subject this morning. Yay. So if, um, if, if there's something you would like prayer for, it doesn't have to be physical healing. It could be all kinds of things. It might be provision. That healing on the streets, we pray for people to get jobs, all kinds of stuff. Okay? So I just wonder, is anybody... Um, I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front, just so you know, because I think we just get people praying. There's no special person here who does. The special person is Jesus. Yes. So um, if you think, yeah, you know, I could really, I, I need some prayer for something. You can come secretly afterwards, or you could just tell me now by putting, tell us all now. Um, right, there we go. Some people would like some prayer. So now... If you're part of the church here and you're part of our community, part of a community group and a life group, um, you're known here. Would you like to, those who've put their hands up, maybe you could just keep your hands up, maybe someone needs to help you. Could some people go and find that person? Some, please move around now because we're going to go and minister to one another. Yes, that's you, right, everybody here, right? Come along, thank you. Wonderful, move around. There are some sitting down who've got a hand up. You've got a hand up there. So, um, you could go and pray for Lucy, couldn't you? Yeah. Oh, your Now, has everybody got somebody, not, not just a spouse, you know, somebody, it's, it's great to have somebody who's not in your family who can pray with you. It's, uh, spouses, you're welcome to pray too. I'm not stopping. <laughs> Has it really, has everybody got somebody standing with them? If you haven't, raise two hands and, and just make yourself known just so we can do that. Great, that's lovely. Good, so please, I just invite you, just move now and uh, just find out what it is and do that process. Don't worry about the process. Just bring the ministry and gift of healing there. Wonderful. Now, if you're not involved, why don't you just, we, we, let's just ask God for the Holy Spirit to come right now, yes? And we thank you, Jesus Christ, that we have worshipped you today because we have come to believe that you are Lord. We've sung and proclaimed your Lordship here, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to come. 
to come with his healing presence. It says in one of the Gospels somewhere, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. And we ask, Father, for such evidence of your coming kingdom. We pray for a down payment, a sign of the future that we have with you when all things will be made new. Thank you, God. Amen.